The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast back at you on a Friday morning. Brandon Marcus here. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus. Things have been crazy on my end, but I am pleased to be joined by my good friend Adam Oslin, 570 AM KLA. So you hear him on the radio pregame, halftime, postgame. He and Noah Eagle are at the controls during these Clipper contests, and he is back with me as the Clippers have won six in a row, Adam. Good times, I'm assuming, especially for you during these post-game shows, right? Clip gang or don't bang, of course, Brandon. It's been amazing on Clippers talk. Good to be on with you, though. Hey, it's great to have you back, and we have a lot of topics to cover. I'm going to get straight into it, because one of the hottest topics thus far has been Eric Bledsoe. If you are on Clippers Twitter, which both of us have, been on recently he is the talk of the town there are people that are on pro eric bledsoe side and very much get eric bledsoe out of the lineup side now people might remember if they've listened to this podcast before which a lot of people have that you and i had to talk about rondo way back when and i I was unsure about him and we had a nice long conversation you kind of convinced me you know what rondo's the right guy here and Listen, we were right for the regular season. That guy was very solid. We got playoff Rondo during the regular season, and I have said numerous times on this podcast that without Rondo, they don't win one of those games against the Dallas Mavericks. He was fantastic when they went to that little, little pick and roll. He was great, and it just didn't work out towards the end. No doubt about that. Now, Eric Bledsoe. Is this going to be the same thing where Eric Bledsoe is a guy that we are on his side and then maybe towards the end of the year we are wrong or do we think that this is going to be something where you know what listen he needed some time to get acclimated this is a guy that I truly believe needs to be good for the Clippers to be good where do you stand on this whole Eric Bledsoe debacle saga whatever you want to call it well, remember with Rajon Rondo, they were bringing him in as a guy to get them over the top and to help ease some of the burden with the playmaking at the end of games because a lot of the narrative last season during the regular season, especially right before the All-Star break, was everyone saying, why can't the Clippers close out games? They'd go through long stretches where they just could not score. Now they're doing that to other teams. But <laughs> Rajon Rondo, the line was... They got regular season Rondo in the playoffs. They got playoff Rondo in the regular season. And it was unfortunate it didn't work out. But ultimately, that's not why they didn't get to the uh, finals. It had nothing to do with that. They overcame uh, Rondo not being as useful as you would have wanted him to. It was just that no Kawhi Leonard was the issue. Otherwise, I, I fully believe, you know, I'll go to my grave thinking that that Clippers team would have won the championship last year if they had been able to stay healthy. But Eric Bledsoe. So I think he's brought in for completely different reasons. I think he's more of an innings eater. I think he's somebody they need right now because of his downhill attack where they've gone from being bottom five in pace last year to now being around top five in pace. He completely changed the tempo out there. And look, I have my own reservations because Patrick Beverly is one of my all-time favorite players and seeing him leave was difficult. And tomorrow night they'll see him back at Staples Center for the first time uh, as a Minnesota Timberwolves outside the preseason game they play with him. But 
Eric Bledsoe last night and the game before, and game one really, so three of their first 11 games has put together some really nice performances. I was saying at one point, did they get prime Eric Bledsoe? Have they revitalized his career like they did with Nicholas Batum, like they did with Reggie Jackson? Because you look at Monday night's game against the Portland Trailblazers, and it was his passing. He was setting everybody up off of getting downhill, playing fast, and then he finds Isaiah Hartenstein. He must have had three or four assists to him alone in that game Monday night. And then last night he showed off the shooting. And, well, he's only a 34% three-point shooter for his career. He hit a big one in the fourth quarter last night, and he had a couple of jumpers. He had seven points early in the fourth quarter when things were stalling out against the Miami Heat a little bit. He helped lift them up in that 34% three-point percentage. He's been in this league for over 10 years now. That is a large sample size. So to assume that he's only going to be shooting around 15%, which is how cold he was early in this season, well, that's just not going to be the case. I I do believe the more open shots he gets, the more open looks he gets, they're going to start to fall. And for him to get back to 34% where he's been throughout his career, that means at some point he's going to go on a hot streak as well. So I am... uh, very bullish as he is getting to the basket on Eric Bledsoe, the mini Zion or mini LeBron, whatever you want to call him. He's a tank out there at times because of what we saw, especially the last two games. And they've only played 11 games so far. There are still 70 more games to play. And I just believe in this coaching staff getting the most out of players and slotting them into those very defined roles. And I think it's starting to happen now with Eric Bledsoe. I'm glad you brought up his shooting because it's something I talked about in the last podcast when I went solo. I was saying, look at it. He has shot 34% the last couple of years, and at the time, he was at 18.5%. And I said, that's not going to continue. You're not going to shoot under 20% for the season. He's going to eventually heat up. And then, of course, yesterday, two for six, very much where he is for his career, that's 33%. That's pretty much where you want him. If he's taking six threes and he's making two, You'll take that. I mean, I mean, would you rather have two for five instead of two for six? Sure, but he's nine of 16. He's able to really do a great job of making it and getting to the hole. Nine of 16 shooting for a guard is outstanding. And his defense has always been there. I mean, his offense has definitely been something that's been lacking to start the season. But three blocks yesterday, he's been able to get been able to defend the top player of the opposing team, allowing Paul George a little bit of a breather on the defensive end. So I'm with you here, and I don't love the slander on Eric Bledsoe on Twitter. I think we need to give Ty Lue a chance to make this work. I mean, Ty even admitted yesterday after the game that he tried some offensive stuff, some new offensive stuff, and it didn't work initially, and they went down by 15 after one quarter. So I think you need to give this lineup a chance to gel, and we saw last year, Adam, that he went in ten, Reggie. Yeah, he went in ten game sample sizes, and Reggie Jackson didn't work initially, and then he was into the starting lineup because Pat Beverly got hurt. And hey, that is part of the reason why they got Eric Bledsoe because Beverly's a guy that has broken down several times. I don't think we see Pat Beverly play forty minutes like Eric Bledsoe did last night. So that's certainly one of the reasons they got Bledsoe was, like you said, an innings eater, someone that can get out there and you be on the floor for many minutes and be able to be productive. So give it some time. That's been my thought, and I'm glad that you're on the same page. Well, and they're winning right now with him not playing his best basketball. Sands the last two games, and last night especially with those 21 points. 
as he starts to get more and more comfortable and the familiarity and the chemistry grows with this team, and he's more established in that role of just bringing the ball up the court, playing with momentum, with pushing the basketball into the front court, I I do think he can be very valuable for them. And I just, I'm such a big believer in this coaching staff. And I love the fact that Coach Lou last night, he took all the responsibility for what happened in the first quarter. Whether it was all on him or not, players got to play. He took the accountability there, saying we were trying something new, we were tinkering. And I love that he's doing that because whenever they take one step back, it always leads to two step forward with, with this team under Coach Lou. They always find other ways to play. And ultimately, they are the comeback clips. They do it once again, down 17 against the Miami Heat, and they hold on late to win. So whatever he was doing, whatever whatever uh, adjustments needed to be made, Coach Lou made them. And I think Eric Bledsoe, in the long run, over an 82-game season, is really going to prove his worth for the Clippers. I agree. And by the way, he had the highest plus-minus of any Clipper in that game yesterday. So I know there have been games where he has certainly struggled, and he has been on the minus side of that for several games. But good to see him getting acclimated. And I think that the Clippers, in order to be successful this year, Adam, I truly believe they need Eric Bledsoe to be good. And so this talk of him coming off the bench and letting either Kennard or Mann start, I don't like that because I think that it doesn't matter. If you don't have Bledsoe clicking on all cylinders, I don't think you're going anywhere because you already only, you have an eight-man rotation and then you take away the center in Hartenstein you need Bledsoe to be there. You cannot have four or five guys solid each night. You need to have your entire rotation clicking. I think that's a great point. That's something I've thought about. When they didn't make a move early on already to put in Terrence Mann or Luke Kennard into the starting lineup, I think it's because Coach Lou knows, yes, ultimately they need him. And if a guy like that, a veteran like him, who comes back to the Clippers, is all of a sudden coming off the bench, are you going to get him to buy in the same way as he would if he was starting out there? So he's he's going to be pivotal and critical to this team right now without Kawhi Leonard. So I, I completely agree with that, uh, that thought there, Brandon. So while Bledsoe was getting crushed on Twitter, there was certainly someone else that had been off to a very slow start and is starting to turn the corner a little bit, and that's Zoo. 18 points, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks yesterday, 7 of 10 from the field. It's something that I was surprised by to see him start off as slow as he did. There were games when he was only getting four or five rebounds. And I'll say to myself, how's that happening? And then you look at the minutes, and he wasn't playing a whole ton of minutes. I mean, against Oklahoma City, he played 13 minutes. Against Golden State in the opener, played 17, 19 the next night. But you look at the last couple of all games, and in the last five, he's hit over 30 twice, and he hit 29 yesterday. So it seems like Zoo is starting to figure it out. What have you seen from him? Yeah, three of his last four games now, he's had double-doubles. I think it's mostly just energy. And Remember, he was coming off that knee injury in the Sun Series. I think he missed six weeks of training or something like that this offseason. And while he still had time to get to 100%, he said that at media day he was fully healthy. It can still just be a timing thing. I believe Serge Ibaka is no longer in pain. That's what they're saying, and that's the most important thing. But that timing and rhythm can still be off. But then there was this statement from Paul George, and his leadership has just been invaluable. He is, I don't know if he's grown um, with his maturity or anything like that. You expect that as a young player, but he was 
the lead dog, obviously, with the Indiana Pacers. He had a lot on his plate then, but I think he's just even more comfortable as a Clipper now because of what happened last year in the playoffs, because of everything that's been expected of him and him putting up those numbers he did and stepping up when everybody was waiting for him to fail and doing so without Kawhi Leonard. So, if there was any question that uh, he didn't have a large voice you know, in the locker room, that, that's over now. Those guys, they love Paul George. And he said to Evita Zubats, this was post-game a couple of nights ago, that you have to be nasty out there, basically. You have to rip down every single board. I don't care if you hurt somebody along the way because you're often the biggest guy on the floor. And that attitude shift in Evita Zubats getting back to playing with more ferocity out there, I think, has made a big difference. Now, there were a couple moments in the fourth quarter last night where he could have had a throwdown. He went up and went for a layup, and Duncan Robinson blocked him in the fourth quarter. And I saw the next possession, Nicholas Batum said something to Avisa Zubas. I don't know if it was related to this, but guys want him to go up strong, always. And he's been great at times, especially I thought he really was uh, had a little bit more of a mean streak last season with just throwing it down, and I would post that picture of Shaq from his old Reebok logo and say, this is Avisa Zubats right now with the outline and the silhouette because that's what he looks like sometimes when he dunks and he kicks his legs out. But I think Paul George challenging him like that and him responding the last four games where he's looked like a very different player, I think that's just been huge for them. The leadership of Paul George, I don't think you can overstate it. Yeah, it's something that is not getting talked about enough right now. You bring up Paul George, and he is certainly a guy that is throwing his hat into the ring for the MVP conversation. It's something when I was talking to Shap before the season started, we were saying that, you know what, you need to look at that 18-19 season because in order for the Clippers to be successful, he's going to have to go back and have very similar numbers to what that team did in 18-19. And he has been nothing short of spectacular. I mean, it is unbelievable how good Paul George has been. And it's funny because I wrote down all the topics I wanted to discuss on this. And Paul George wasn't even on there because now it's getting to the point where you assume that Paul George is going to get you those 27 points he got yesterday. He's getting three steals. There was a game where I believe he had eight steals, 11 of 25 from the field. He started off slow. It doesn't matter now with Paul George. He is in such a good place. And I think it all started last year during the postseason when Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Paul George put the team on his shoulders. And frankly, they went pretty far. And they were a couple of games away from the NBA Finals. And a lot of that had to do with Paul George. So you look at the Clippers' schedule, Adam. And coming into this season, we knew it was going to be a favorable start. And the Clippers did not start well at all. They started 1-4, and four, that win coming against Portland, and they lost against teams that we thought, you know what, maybe they shouldn't have lost. I mean, Golden State was a team initially that we weren't sure where they were going to be, but now it turns out they're the, right now the best team in the West. Memphis, Cleveland, Portland, games that you probably would want to have back, where the Clippers have bounced back in a way that I'm not sure many of us expected them to do, winning now six in a row. And then you have three more home games, two road games, and then six more home games again. So the schedule is there, and the question is, when does Paul George get the respect? I saw Jonathan Sharks had something on the ringer today about Paul George, but it seems like the national conversation is yet to really pounce on this PG for MVP topic. Do we think we get that, or is it just one of those things where Paul George isn't really that liked by the media and he may never get his due respect? 
Well, it doesn't help when people on big platforms like Shaquille O'Neal on the NBA on TNT is saying, but can he do it in the playoffs? Like he just didn't even watch the playoff run Paul George had, where he absolutely put the Clippers on his back. The 40-point performance, the Game 5 he had against Phoenix, the Game 5 he had against the Utah Jazz, where people were just, like I said before, waiting for him to fail because they want to get their memes off or they want to get Paul George trending or Pandemic P, which is really insensitive in so many ways, uh, on Twitter. And that stuff doesn't help. But I think eventually if he continues to play like this, people are going to realize, okay, this is someone who's reliable, who's consistent. I said last night he's a top three player. And Shane Young came on, uh, who writes for Forbes. I'm sure you've had him on too before, Brandon. And yep. It was the first time I had him on Clippers Talk. And we kind of went through, who are your top three guys right now in the NBA? And I think it's him, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. That's mm-hmm. kind of where we landed with it. And because of workload, because what's expected of them defensively, with Paul George especially, and the plays he made in the fourth quarter last night, the gritty, tough plays you just don't see from superstars doing the little things, drawing an offensive foul, getting a big steal, standing up against Bam Adebayo in the post. He's just been incredible. The game against, I forget if it was game one or game two against Minnesota, but he had a play where he had a rebound, had it ripped away from him, fell to the floor, looked like there should have been a foul call as there often should be against Paul George, but for some reason he's not getting that respect either. And instead of laying down like Carmelo Anthony did a few years back with the the Denver Nuggets and just staying there on the floor because he was upset, he got back up and drew an offensive foul on Carl Anthony Towns. And it's just plays like that. I think it energizes the guys out there with him on the court because if your superstar is doing those little things like that, how can you not do it? You know, if Paul George is expected to score 27, to average 26, and really he hasn't been shooting the ball great the last four games, and it hasn't mattered because he does all those other things that help you win those winning plays, role-player type plays, uh, and it's coming from your superstar in Paul George. So, I do think he's been a top three player so far this season. Look, it's still early. There's 70 games left to play. We hope he can keep this up. But like you said, they got to take advantage of this homestand and make up for some of those losses early in the season. And they've done it so far. they got to keep it rolling now. And Paul George is obviously going to be a big part of that. You would hope that they can go at least 7-4, and 8-3 and three over these next 11 games before the schedule gets a little bit tougher. And I brought up the 18-19 season. That year he averaged 28 points per game. This year he's at 26.7. 26.7 is the second most he's had in his career behind that 28 mark. He's averaging 2.5 steals. That's the most steals of his career. He's averaging this season 5.4 assists per game. That's the most of his career. He's averaging 7.8 rebounds per game. That is the second most behind that 8.2 in 18-19. He is shooting 45.6% from the field. That's the third highest of his career. He has just been absolutely spectacular. And I said before the season, I'd like to see him averaging 10 threes per game. He's at 8.8. That is the second most he has ever attempted behind the 9.8 in 18-19. So he is certainly following the script from that 18-19 season where he finished top three in the MVP voting. And if he continues to play this way, and God willing that he stays healthy because that's going to be the key for this Clippers team. If Paul George can stay healthy and he continues to stay at this level, there, there's no way that he is on the outside looking in this top three conversation for MVP if the Clippers continue to win ball games. So 
you and I are giving him the respect. The question is, will the national media, and you bring up the great point about will he do in the playoffs with what the TNT crew is saying, and it's one of those things where it's truly you need to look and watch basketball. I mean, there are times where that crew has no idea what they're talking about. They're entertaining, but again, no clue what they're talking about at times. The who he play for segment kind of underscores that a lot yeah. of the time. And Paul George, by the way, was also top three defensive player of the year that season. You're mentioning as well with OKC. Yep. He was that good on both ends. And that has to be taken into account. I kind of took a little bit of issue with Damian Lillard being top 75 over Paul George just because of things like that. The accolades are so similar. In fact, Paul George should probably get the edge there as well. Dame has never finished top three in MVP voting, to my knowledge. And because of a couple of big shots in the playoffs, and they are big, two series-winning shots, I think there's only been 10 or 11 of those in the history of the NBA. And one of those, yes, was against Paul George. But Damian Lillard has skated with some really bad performances and has not had the same scrutiny on him in the playoffs for whatever reason. And those are how false narratives get built up. And I love Dame. He's my favorite non-Clipper. I love him. I hate saying this, but to me that was a a glaring omission on the top 75 list that Paul George wasn't there. Take a quick break. Talk about our friends over at MyBookie. Ever since I started this podcast, people people always ask me, who am I betting on? Where am I betting? And I'm telling them I'm going to MyBookie.ag. They are the people to bet with. The rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, promotions in the business. The only place that I trust to handle my Clippers bets, Premier League, college football, college basketball, which just started. It's all there. They've got those boosts as well. They want you to make money. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. You've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is simply the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Enter the promo code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's the promo code HOOPBALL. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. All right, Adam, let's talk about Nicholas Batum. Because you mentioned earlier with Eric Bledsoe how the Clippers have had a career revival with Reggie Jackson and Nicholas Batum and hopefully now with Eric Bledsoe. What he's doing recently with Nick Batum might be one of the more impressive feats we have seen from someone at 32 years old, not named LeBron James. It's one of those things where you look at what he's doing night to night. And last night, you may look at his box score and say, eh, not great. But everyone looks at the points. Three blocks, two steals yesterday. 22 points the game before with six threes. 16 points with a block and three steals and four threes the game before that. Nick Batum truly fits this system to a T. I think I'm still surprised at what Batum has been doing for the Clippers. Are you still surprised? I'm surprised he's getting even better. Like He's refining what he already did great for them last year because during this stretch where after they lost their first two games, remember, defensively, while they're top three in defensive rating now, they were giving up 115 points per game, their first two against the Golden State Warriors and against the Memphis Grizzlies. And Marcus Morris looked a step slow out there coming back from a knee injury. And Nicholas Batum, just like last year, he gets reintegrated into the starting lineup and has taken full advantage of that after getting off to a slow start where he was ice cold from the outside. I believe his last six games now, he's shooting about 53% from three. And they're always big timely threes. You mentioned last night and how you know the box score doesn't jump out to you, but those blocks he had 
emphatic blocks. He makes the defensive play of the game to seal it at the end, where the Miami Heat didn't even get a shot up. What he does, uh, I mentioned winning plays earlier. Nicholas Batum, I think, has honestly been the backbone for the defensive turnaround we've seen. Avita Zubats coming on recently has been huge as well, of course. Hartenstein's been very good at times, but I think the main guy has been Nicholas Batum because of how versatile he is. I said this last night on Twitter, but he's really grown into that Draymond Green role even more so this season. And right now, between those two today, I would take Nicholas Batum. And I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer and all this. Well, he doesn't shoot well at all anymore. He's not shooting 38% from three like he did back in 2016 for the Golden State Warriors. And Nicholas Batum, you leave him wide open, he destroys you. I think he was the second-best shooter in the league last year on corner threes. So, to me, at 32 years of age and him coming off a busy summer or he was in the Olympics too, uh, to see him get off to this quick of a start after a somewhat slow start the first couple of games, but I think he's been right there with Paul George of being their second most important player so far this season. I think it's going to be interesting where he ends up with his three-point percentage because we looked last year at the Clippers and it seemed like Everyone and their mother and their mother's mother was shooting over 40% from three. And you look at Batum's career, and prior to this season, he hadn't shot over 40.9% from three. And that was in his second season in the NBA. Right now, Adam, he's at 46.7, just under 47% from deep. And he's at 53% from the field, which is his highest ever. So we wonder now, is Batum having one of his best seasons ever? ever at what is crazy to see about his 12th season in the NBA. Is that possible to have one of your best seasons ever at this point where I think it's actually his 14th season? Um, what do you think? Where would this rank? I mean, you obviously are not looking at every single season, but he was a pretty good ball player in Portland. But given the circumstances and given the way he's shooting, it's got to be up there for probably top three seasons that he's had in this league, right? Well, he's as valuable as anyone on this Clippers team for them, and fit matters. And him wanting to be here and re-signing and the culture they built and the way he's fit in with this locker room, I think all that brings out the best in him. I, I think it's just the perfect hand-in-glove type of fit that you were hoping for. Whether or not he can shoot close to 47%, and maybe he's just trying to make up for the lack of Marcus Morris not being out there right now since he actually shot that last year from three for the Clippers. But I, I don't know if he can keep that up the entire season. But I believe he's going to shoot, you know, over 40%, 42% is obviously very attainable for him because he gets those open shots and he knocks them down every time and he's clutch. We saw it last year in that game in Phoenix early in the season when he hit that big three-pointer off the pass from Paul George when he ran through Devin Booker. And that was kind of the start of things and going, oh, okay, you can rely on Nicholas Batum in these moments. And the guys know it too. Reggie Jackson talked about him for like five minutes the other night post-game just just uh, laying all the praise uh, at, at the doorstep of Nicholas Batum, and, and he deserves it all because he's also, I love his temperament. We love the Batums on Twitter as well with his wife. They just, 
they're Clippers royalty, you know? <laughs> he's only been here for a year and 11 games, and he's going to go down as a Clippers legend by the way that, that he plays out there. And by the the usefulness, the multi-tooled Swiss Army knife that he is, he makes up for any deficiencies that are out there, you know, any holes in the ship. He's able to plug them. And they wouldn't have got to the Western Conference Finals without him. The difference in those first round and second round series when they were down 2-0, a lot of that was Nicholas Batum uh, and them going small and him playing big out there uh, and playing against bigs and accepting whatever role they need from him that night. He just does it at an elite level. It's funny you brought up Marcus Morris because obviously Nicholas Batum into the starting lineup because Marcus Morris is injured. And you take a step back and you look at this Clippers team and us Clippers fans and those that follow the team, they expect this team to be pretty good based on the way they're coached and the players on the floor. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, a solid player. Reggie Jackson can score with the best of them. Paul George is an MVP candidate. Zoo is an excellent center. We talk about Batum. You look at Kennard and Mann, all very solid basketball players. But you take a step back at them and no Marcus Morris, no Kawhi Leonard, no Serge Ibaka. Is this team overachieving or are they just doing so damn well that you wonder, hey, where could this team be in April if Kawhi, Ibaka, and Morris are all back and healthy? Because I know you brought it up earlier and I agree with you that I believe the Clippers would have won the NBA Finals last year had Kawhi not gotten hurt. So are the Clippers overachieving at this point or are they a team that is simply just damn good and Without three pieces, they just continue to make it work because I've brought this up in the past. The Lakers a couple of years ago, they worked because everybody had a role. It seems like everyone has a role on this team. It doesn't matter if someone's hurt. Someone else steps in. So where where do you see this team right now? Overachievers, just right, or maybe underachievers, which most likely they are not? I, I'm hesitant to say they're overachieving even though it feels like that right now because they're on a six-game winning streak, and the way they've won games, down 15, down 17 last night, down 20, where they end up winning by 20 in Minnesota. But record-wise, and in some of the ways that they're playing, you know, it's not foreign to see the Clippers come back on teams. This is, this is what they do. To me, they're starting to feel like they're just right on track. This is kind of carryover from what we saw last year in the playoffs, where... The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, where they're overcoming not having Kawhi Leonard out there, and no Marcus Morris right now, which is huge. And obviously they were without Serge Ibaka through most of last year. But they just come together, and I think the chemistry is even better than it has been on the court, off the court. These guys just love each other. This is a very special group. And when things like that happen, uh, it, it leads to dramatic wins like we've seen so far this season. But I don't think it's out of the ordinary for this group. And I do think as they continue to build as this season goes along, as Eric Bledsoe gets more comfortable, now Zoo has clicked in. I still think Paul George, shooting-wise, uh, can get much hotter than he's been the last four games. This shouldn't be surprising to anyone. I just feel like they're on track. And look, the schedule, we've talked about it. It's a little bit easier right now. They have a lot of home games. They need to take advantage of that as well. But it's just the wild swings from them starting one and four to now winning six in a row. It can feel like, wow, this is crazy. They can't sustain this. But if you just look at them being seven and four, 
okay, that, that feels about right if you look at the schedule they've played so far and the guys who have been out for them. So I feel like they're in a very good place to where if they can keep this up, if they can continue to have different guys step up on different nights, and that's been, I think, one of the mantras, obviously, next man up, step up Clippers, just find a way to win or just find an effing way to win, as Reggie Jackson said walking into the locker room the other night. <laughs> this is who they are. This is the identity of this team. This is what they do. We'll close this pod on the schedule. You brought it up. Let's close it by talking about it. 11 games before they take on the Lakers on Friday, December 3rd. What do you think their record needs to be in these next 11? And I want to preface it by saying, first of all, 11 games, nine of them are home games, but three of those home games are at 1230. So I'm going to make sure to throw that in with the Clippers having struggles in those 1230 starts. Where do you think the record should be at the end of those 11? Because right now they're seven and four. Do you think they need to go eight and three in these next 11, seven and four again to maybe at 14 and eight, 14 and eight kind of seems reasonable. What do you think? Next 11, I'd honestly pick them to go seven and four again, Mm -hmm. because the schedule, you know, while they are at home for a lot of these, they get the Mavericks twice. They play the Grizzlies and Ja Morant. They get Chicago coming up on Sunday. Yes, the Timberwolves game is a very winnable game, but that's a team that has surprised some people. They had a win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I think seven and four is realistic. I think eight and three is very possible. Uh, but they have to keep this same defensive mindset while their offense comes around. Like last night, they did not shoot the ball well from three. They hit some big ones when they needed to, but. When their offense comes around, they can't say, okay, we're going to let up now defensively because we're hitting shots. They have to play this exact same way defensively and not have any slippage on that end. If they're going to go 8-3 eight and, eight and, uh, or 9-4 and four, or 9-2, and two, excuse me, something like that, if they're going to really keep this hot streak going. Yeah, and the one thing about the Clippers is it, their defense has certainly been fantastic this season. Sure, they get 40 points in the first quarter yesterday, but for the rest of the game, 69 points in three quarters will certainly get it done. Adam, always a pleasure having you on. People can follow you on Twitter. Where and where else do you have? you have anything else you got to plug? Uh, Matt, follow Adam A. You can follow at FNA Show with myself and Kevin Figures here at AM570. We've been doing that podcast for quite some time. But if you go to at follow Adam A, you pretty much find everything there. It all branches out from my Twitter account. Adam, thanks for coming back on the Hoopball Clippers pod, man. Glad to have you. I appreciate you, Brandon. You know me anytime. Just love having him on. Absolutely love having Adam on. He's a great dude. He knows his stuff. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Before we say goodbye, folks, I got to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. Boy, they have the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. It doesn't matter whether it's a holiday, Father's Day, It doesn't matter if it's a birthday, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you are celebrating, they simply have the best gifts out there. The Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and the Ultra Smooth Package is certainly the best product on the market. Get 20% off and free shipping with code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. I know you've used those scissors before. You've used your razor. There have certainly been those nicks and cuts. There have been those accidents that you wish you could have avoided, and you could have if you had the Lawnmower 4.0. Their trimmer is now available in the USA and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from all other trimmers? 
How about the skin-safe technology to keep your balls in check and help reduce those manscaping accidents? Multifunction on-off switch can engage in a travel lock. Perfect for those jet setters as we get back to traveling around the world. They have the ability to turn on that 4000K LED spotlight. It is just absolutely spectacular what this product can do. Stop imagining yourself without it. Get 20% off and free shipping. Go to HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code HoopBall20. All right, you heard us talk about it. 11 games now for the Clippers before they take on the Lakers on December 3rd. I talked about the schedule a couple of times, and this is where the Clippers need to do well. 11 games, 7-4 and four at the worst is what I would hope for this team. And it's funny, I'm saying that because... This team is without some key pieces and Marcus Morris and Sergi Baca, who's on G League assignment because he said the game was a little bit too fast for him. Kawhi Leonard obviously is out with his torn ACL, but this team continues to make it where they can win ball games when you may not expect it. Sure, they may not have the star players that we had before with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but they still have PG and he has been absolutely spectacular and I just love watching him every single night go out there support the clippers they've got a bunch of home games here get out to staples center there's some weekend games there's some 12 30 starts go out and support the clippers and thank you for supporting this podcast you can follow me on twitter at bd marcus hoopball clips is the twitter handle you can find us there if you can rate and review the podcast on itunes that's always great as well and always feel free to reach out to me on twitter happy to talk to anyone and everyone that is listening to this podcast. So until next time, expected to have Andrew Greif as of now next Friday on this podcast as he makes his way to New Orleans for that game on Friday night. So we're going to have Andrew hopefully on on Friday morning and we'll release that podcast Friday afternoon. So that is the next one that we are scheduled to have. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.